Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You got there, Virgin Mary or bloody? Oh no, this is definitely bloody. Nice. Well, cheers. Cheers. I've got sparkling water, which ain't quite the same, but nice to meet you, my friend. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to the start, if that's cool, and begin where all good stories should. Well, when I was three begin. years old. Let's go. Well, pre that, I'm talking. <laughs> where were you born? What year? And uh, put me in a scene of your early family life. Well, I, I mean, I grew up in the suburbs. I'm a child of the 70s, so, um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty boring. Um, but, yeah, I was, it was, I was probably three or four when my dad played me Chuck Berry and right Jerry on. Lee Lewis. The great best And stuff, that's right. when it all started. <laughs> For me, I mean, I still, little, I, I still listen sorry, to Little Richard regularly, and I'm still amazed at how anarchic and wild and scary and dangerous it still sounds. Yeah, uh, and then that's that's really interesting because you know th- that was considered the devil's music. And Him much more so, I think. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, you for listen sure. to the same versions, like the same songs they did. They're different versions. Yeah, and they're like night and day, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you know, if you've never seen anything like that, I'm just going to put this down on the floor because the bubbles are being picked up. Oh, okay. <laughs> which shows that the water is of good quality, but we don't want like a acidic crackling the whole way through our chat. <laughs> it's, it actually calms me down. Does so. it? <laughs> there you go. Get one of these in. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if you can imagine, you know, if your parents and and you have kids, 
and you've never seen anything like that, you would definitely think that they were, you know, they were like on something or worshiping the devil or something or shaking, you know, convulsing and and just getting wild. So did you feel that from an early age as much as the musical side of it then was the excitement? And the- it was all about the, the excitement yeah. for me. Yeah, it was the energy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, those, I don't remember much before that, to be honest. So that was like, <laughs> that was when that it was started. your awakening right yeah, there. Was your dad much. a musician or was he just like an avid fan? Both. Um, he, he, um, he played trumpet, uh, like in the army band, but he never read a note of music. It was all by ear. Uh, so it was natural for him, but yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, what was your first instrument? Mine was drums, actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, I always begged my parents to get me a drum set, and they always just shot the idea down. Oh, I mean, I I drove them nuts, yeah, for sure. (laughs) But it was always sort of like, you know, I mean, they had no idea that it would take me where I am, because they thought it was just, you know... A passing phase. A passing phase, yeah. yeah. yeah, But so, you know, uh, it's definitely, I got that, the ear from my dad. But, you know, he bought... He bought like seven inches every weekend. He'd go to the record store and buy seven inches. So the seventies was the decade of the single as well, wasn't it? Was he into the stuff of that day, like Bowie, T Rex? There was a, there was a lot of um, Zeppelin. There, no, not really any of that stuff. I I actually turned him on to Zeppelin and stuff. Nice. But there was you know there was songs in the key of life by Stevie Wonder and. Um, there was Superfly. I mean, he was down with some cool shit. Right on. Yeah. And you yourself, and when Curtis you're Mayfield, yeah, at school, yeah. who became your bands of, like, your day? Well, I mean, it's, for me, it, it was always about learning how to play, you know. And, you know, I, I played along with records, you know. So the records that I started playing drums to were, you know, like Cheap Trick and ACDC and Black Sabbath, Uh but it was really when I listened to Zeppelin where I figured out I, I couldn't play drums anymore because I could not <laughs> yeah. figure out what's that guy doing? What he was doing with his kick drum. And I just, I kind of was like, uh, uh, this is my limit. But so um, I started playing guitar at that point and it was a lot easier for me to figure out. So it just went with the easier route i guess (laughs) and was zeppelin still like was page well that's what that's why i I was like i'm so into this band and i'm i'm really into the guitar playing and and the way the the records especially the way the guitars are produced because it sounds like i mean there are there could be three guitars at one time but they're all playing one part so they're all interweaving and i always love that about the zeppelin records what's your favorite is that for an album? You had to choose. I mean, I, the only reason that I pick this one is because it was the first one that I, that I like sort of learned how to play along with. And that was uh, Physical Graffiti. Right. Um, the Rover was the song that I, I, like the first guitar solo I ever learned. So I was like, but man, the first record is, is so amazing because it was, you know, when you read about it, it was done in a month you know, start to finish. So you could just tell they were just cutting loose live. And that's really, that's really important to me. It seems like your musical career has been centered around bands that are of that style, right? Sure. I mean, you know, chemistry between the individuals. You gotta have, yeah, you gotta have that. Otherwise it's just, you know, um, 
you know, I, I've I've kind of done my own sort of like research, I guess, where and I don't I don't want to name any names or anything, but I listen to records and I can tell because I, I work in Pro Tools and I you know I do digital editing and I, I chop samples and I cut my teeth in the studio doing that kind of stuff. I can tell when things are cut and pasted and. It, that's just is not interesting to me. Um, it's lacking the soul, right? It's just, I mean, element. there could be there could be great hooks that you want to re- reproduce, you know, and continue. But I just hear it, and I and I, so that's just not for me. Um, perfection is really boring, you know. Turns out, yeah, you want those imperfections, don't you? You do. I mean, some of the best parts of making records with the queens is is mistakes magical mistakes that you just go wow that just was a mistake and now it's not yeah so you find happy happiness there um so your first band i guess to gain traction if you want to use the term was obviously failure that was the first band that i sort of got to do like real touring and stuff i kicked around los angeles for quite a while before that and had many bands with different friends and stuff what time frame is that is that like late 80s early 90s yeah exactly yeah so you were there for i the saw golden age i saw nirvana alternative rock right it was it was right before um nevermind came out and it was i'll never forget it because i think it was at the rocks here or something they um they were playing new stuff and Teen Spirit hadn't even been out yet, but I remember that they played it, and after it, afterwards, I mean, people were going nuts for the song that they've never heard. He was like, "That is so weird," because we, I mean, you guys reacted to like you've like you knew this song, but it's brand new. It just was a very interesting time because there was no way that song wasn't going to be a huge hit, you know and just take them into the stratosphere. I was into Bleach, you know, I was in... So, but yeah, it was it was cool. It was, it was, Who else did you see around that time? Obviously, Chili Peppers were knocking around then. Did you, they they you were. Um, was that I a was bit too the earlier, funk? Yeah, no, I, I, I dug them because they, um, they... I mean, they kind of started a movement in Los Angeles, which spawned bands like um, Jane's Addiction. So their first... I saw them a bunch, too. Um, those shows back in those back in those days, days it was dangerous yeah it was really sexual really cool crazy yeah yeah i guess um, they were like led zeppelin of the, the 80s right in kind a, of yeah uh, yeah powerful i mean that, dynamic. that the, again their first two records with with eric avery were were like just staples you know just really really amazing and it, it was really representative of los angeles at the time i thought how did the Los Angeles scene respond to bands like Nirvana, Soundgarden, I mean, Alice in Chains? It changed everything. Yeah. It did. Yeah, it, it made gave it, a it gave it ass. gave it right the the real thing that it it kind of needed, you know. Um, so it, I was I was glad to be there to see it kind of go down. Um, yeah, I, 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 I actually saw Nine Inch Nails open up for Jane's Addiction for their first for Pretty Hate Machine, which was I was because I, I loved. You know a lot of industrial, you know, goth stuff too. So I, I saw them and I was like, wow, that they're they're great. Um, well, are these in all like you know two hundred cap at the most venues as well? Are these like well, no, club this shows? was this was the Ritual de la Habitual tour. It was at the end of that tour, right? And so it was like ninety one. So they're huge at that they're, point, James. Yeah. They were playing. Uh, um, I can't remember 
I remember it was this venue that that um, it was called the Gibson Amphitheater, um, but before it was called something else. I can't yeah, yeah. remember. But yeah, it was about four thousand capacity. Yeah, so it was, it was small enough to get right up. It was before there were seats too, so it was general admission. So it was it was kind of people smoking. Yeah, just smoking and wild and getting wild. Yeah. <laughs> what about the sort of the the hair metal end, and then obviously at the tail end of that, you had obviously guns. Did yeah, you catch a lot of early Guns and Roses I, I shows. I did. Yeah, I did. What was that like? That was dangerous too. Yeah, it was really really good. I mean, they were they were on fire. It's unbelievable that a band can release a debut album as solid from start to end as that, right? I mean, I know they'd been in bands and they had obviously amalgamated all this incredible material. And yeah, as a debut album, it was pretty unstoppable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was. I remember seeing them and going, "There's, there's something's going to happen here." Yeah. Were you friends with any of these bands? Were you in no sort I was of just, any of those circles? Were you there as a spectator, I mean, kind of? I, 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 and then how do you find your way I into played, failure ultimately? Well, this is this is going to lead to that. Lovely. Um, I played, um, like I said, I kind of kicked around and I jammed a lot with people. And uh, one day I played with a guy named Martin Lenoble, who later, well, he was in Thelonious Monster at the time. Um, and he later was in Porn of Pyro. And um, he, you know, he... He's still playing. He, I guess, the last time I saw him, he was playing with Mark Lanigan and the Soul uh, Soul Savers. Yeah. So, anyways, it was him, and the guy who was playing drum was Kelly Scott, who is the drummer for Failure. But this was just before Failure, and we had such a good time playing together. We actually had a, uh, we were together just playing for like hours, and so that was sort of like a an interesting meeting. Because, you know, like I said later, Martine ended up playing with Perry. And, and I, I started to kind of get in that scene at that point, you know, that musician scene. And Kelly also, you know, another guy who played in a lot of bands. And, you know, we kind of lost touch for like a year or so. And then um, I heard the first uh, the first and second failure records and i was really i was really impressed i thought they were completely unique and in every way and it turned out that he was playing with them and it was just a a real chance sort of re-meeting i was like working at a restaurant or something and he came in with the guys and little did i know i mean they were a three-piece at the time that you know they were working on this record fantastic planet and it's so in depth and there's so much melodic information that I didn't know that they were looking for an, another, you know, member or guitar player, keyboard player, whatever, something to fill out the sound. But, um, and yeah. you were, you were kind of in either way. I whatever. just, I didn't know, but he, but he was like saying, you should, you know, if you ever need, we ever need a guy, this should be the guy. So that ended up happening and I was thrilled because, I mean, yeah, let's, I, uh, this is a pattern for me, which is a good one, but it's like, how often do you get to play with your favorite band, you know? And so, yeah, was, I felt very lucky. There's obviously a 50-50 element. Half of it, I think, is always luck, right time, right place. Sure. And then the other half is, of course, your ability and your personality. Well, those, those are all factors. Those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
the one thing that you do have control over in your life is is how good you are yeah. you know yeah, when yeah, you're yeah. a player so that that helps <laughs> and around that time is obviously like peak kind of Lollapalooza traveling circus of yeah that was about 90 every band was so good I think it was I joined actually joined the band in, ni- in 96 so like the spring of 96 so it was to tour for Fantastic Planet and so you, you weren't on the album no right I did now. not play on the record right after it's released I was I, I they were making the record at the, in this house you know deep in the valley and and um I was fortunate enough to, to hang out and, and like listen to mixes and stuff before they were done. And I mean, I knew it was going to be a, a great record, you know, before it was out. So I kind of had the inside track, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Tool were a band, I think, that very much kind of gave failure a leg up, right? But there are very much so said, because you're our guys. Maynard was was such a fan as well. And he basically did everything like a real true fan friend would do for their for their pals you yeah. know um he took, took us he took tours. us on a lot of tours and talked about us to whatever little press they were doing <laughs> um but yeah i mean we we he he really brought the band into to where you know he helped us out get to where we were what was your kind of early impressions when you saw Tool live for the first time? What I what was always impressed. I mean, I, I I loved him. I thought he was dynamic and, and incredible, just in every way. I mean, he, that voice is so special, but also just him as a frontman, as a performer. It's it's He's, gnarly, especially back then. I remember we, you know, one of the first shows I did with them was at this place called the Glass House in Pomona, it's just outside of L.A. and um. I just remember watching him and being like, whoa, whatever's going on inside that head is gnarly. <laughs> was he a comedian or an actor before he went into music? Because he was kind of in that sort of yeah, scene, right? Yeah, he definitely, I know he's a fan of comedy. I mean, and he was, I remember seeing him on like Mr. Show and stuff yeah, with yeah. Baba Dave. I mean, he's, he, you know, and, and he had this real love for Bill Hicks, which I, I, I don't know if they knew each other. I think they did. Did he support Tool on a tour? Did I that think he once? did. Yes, I think that happened. Wow. So yeah, the, but there's it's a dark, dry humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super dark and super dry. Yeah, amazing. So you don't know sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With him. So close to the bone, isn't it? Yeah. So raw, like, oh yeah, and and he's he's he knows how to put people in their place too. I've seen it happen many Love times. It. It's rad. You got a favorite Lollapalooza story from when you were on that tour? I mean, we just. We we had a special time in music, basically right? yeah it was it's it was a lot of fun to be on that tour and that those two kind of tours are over I yeah. mean that was kind of no it wasn't the last one actually Queens did the last one but I don't want to jump ahead there yet um we, you know because we were with Tool and we were with like uh, other friends of ours uh, that were on the tour uh, and Tricky was yeah, on that yeah. tour and Ice Cube right. No, it was Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. And so, and Snoop Dogg, so what happened is the failure was closing the second stage. And I think Korn were on the tour. And one of the guys, I think it was, I think it was Monkey, got spinal, um, I can't remember what, meningitis or something like that. It's pretty serious. So he was out. So they had to, they had to uh, bail out of the tour. So, the, you know, so 
Lollapalooza was missing like a headlining act on the main stage. And so they just bumped everybody us uh, up and then they put us first on the main stage. And then we closed the second stage. So we played two gigs in one day and it was like, like nothing, you know, cause it was just like, this is rad. We get to play on the main stage, but we were working hard and it was, it was, uh, it was a lot of a lot of fun for me because I'd rather be playing than sitting around. Um, that's just the way I am. I mean, well, the devil makes work for our hands, true. It, Troy? It sure does. <laughs> Do you find that difficult when you get off tour? Are you one of those guys that, like, once you've recovered and you're rested and you're back in you know full energy? Do you then kind of get restless and go always? Oh, yeah, out of there again, man. yeah. I mean, it's just hard to hard to. It's a crazy it's life, just, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy, but I, the pace of it, I'm more comfortable being on the move you know mm-hmm. um no, don't get me wrong i love to be home and i like to cook and i like to chill but uh i do get restless yeah for sure what happens with failure why does that band call time um well the there? name didn't really help uh, <laughs> <laughs> um self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. anyone um mainly i mean <clears throat> This Do you think is, it's because they weren't appreciated on a commercial it, level it, it, as there's, much as they There's, there's a been? couple of different reasons, but I think the main reason was was there was some substance abuse going on, um, and uh, that always amplifies whatever little problems there might be. So problems like you're out on the road and your label doesn't care, you know, that you're, you know... You, what what the single was didn't do what their expectations were, and they just kind of so said, "Go ahead." Dries up and- yeah, basically. Um, but it it was we still had offers, you know, and like we were the musicians, the musicians band. Yeah. Um, so we had plenty of offers to go on on the road. So we just did that until until basically it kind of imploded. You know, did that happen on the road? It kind of, it kind of did, yeah. It kind of like, without like getting to fisticuffs or anything like that. But it was definitely like, oh my god, this is, yeah, this is gonna be over. <laughs> Are you traveling in vans? <clears throat> we bus? we did treat ourselves to a bus right. but it's at still that a time, cooker, isn't it? It's oh yeah, because you're you're enclosed. I mean, you're, you're not really staying at hotels at that point. We we were always in a van. Yeah, yeah, and we always roomed together we always had to you know we were close with each other's yeah eccentricities and yes absolutely yeah so flaws the the substance abuse definitely is that on your part or other members no that was uh the other guys um i mean you know i i I know that they they're all sober two of them kelly and greg are both sober now right so that's that's great um was that they, why they were able to reform? Was it because they both sort I of? I think there was there was the two there, there was two reasons. That being the main one, and the second one was you know Ken and Greg were the kind of the the, the Lennon McCartney of the of the band. So yeah. they both um, had families, and they started their kids started hanging out, and that kind of brought them together. Gives just as friends, right? yeah. Because they started out as friends, and, yeah. and all that you lose track of that sometimes, don't you? You do, yeah. You know, um, so I think that was the main reason, and I I just know that they when they work together, it gets prolific. They they work fast, and they they, and it's it's that thing. 
Yeah. It's like Autolux is different and all the projects that Ken has done is different, but when you put them together, it's, it's failure. So chemistry. Yeah. So after they part ways, you're there. Do you yeah. decide you don't want to carry on in a touring band? And is that when you go into the studio world and throw yourself into that? I, I you know, after having that high of joining your favorite band and it breaking up, <laughs> it was pretty depressing. So I definitely wanted to get some perspective. And, um, and that's just when the digital kind of revolution started. Um, Pro Tools and, you know, editing and, and figuring out like well this is the future i should probably learn mm-hmm. how to do this um is the music industry record side changing at that point as well or does that not quite happen not yet right. no it's still they're still handing out giant checks yeah, to, yeah. to every new band that mm-hmm. comes out you know um good days yeah so but i was on the other music end was that. changing though wasn't it yeah kind of going know, from the alternative scene i guess and it new went metal was what new was metal was and that's, the roost that, that ended time. up being some of the stuff that i worked on because so jazz, who did you um i did a lot of remixes right um uh with a producer named josh abraham um and i mean we did stuff for corn we did stuff for ice cube we did stuff for depeche mode so the family values yeah family values Lollapalooza and that was all part of a, a a company called the firm which were they they were a management team that had like all those bands like right limp biscuit and and orgy was another record you know i worked on those records too but that's where i kind of cut my teeth doing editing and 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 running you know learning how to record you know properly so are you back in L.A. at this point? Yeah, I'm in yeah. L.A. working at a studio like, yeah, till seven in the morning all the time. Um, but uh, does that lifestyle impact on your life in the sense that are you kind of getting restless or are you happy throwing yourself into this work environment? And, well, <clears throat> and socially me. what's going on as well? Socially? <laughs> Gosh, <sorry. laughs> that's OK. <laughs> Bloody Mary. It's a good, it's really a good. spicy one, is it? It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, I, I socially there wasn't that was my social life, you know, being around people. That, but I definitely was like missing it. Did you like all those bands that you were working with, or were you not really working with them? I didn't really work with them that much, uh, but I was, you know, there's a couple of guys that I was friends with. Yeah, that I got to know over, you know, when you're in the studio with, you know, guys for a month or two, you get to know them. So, yeah. Um, and sometimes you end up playing on their record, you know. Sometimes they don't know that you're playing on your record. Can you reveal any? Oh, no, I don't no, want to no. say that, but I definitely... <laughs> Can you reveal any that are known? Or are not, or non-known? Oh, I don't want to talk about okay. that. I'm sorry, right I didn't no, no, I feel even you. brought that up. I feel you, it's all good. You've got to ask that. But, right? yeah, I mean, that was actually, that was fun to just kind of jump in and, and play something. And that's what kind of started me going, well... I shouldn't really be in the studio, you know. So, so you start itching to be back Well, I started yourself, itching right? and so I started this project called Enemy which was Kelly from Failure. Yeah. And my friend Eddie who was in a band called Handsome. Right. Don't you know, know about them? them? No, no. They they were a, like a like a New York hardcore supergroup. Right, okay. Guys from Quicksand, guys from Helmet, guys from Chromags. Wow, so that's it, an interesting mix. Yeah, it was a good mix. But so Eddie played bass and Helmet, another band. Yeah, so special, really cool. Yeah, and Snot. Do you like Snot? I know the drummer f- 
uh, who was in Snot, Jamie. Yeah. 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 Great. They were, they were great. Um, yeah. So I, I put that together and I was getting um, calls from from Billy, um, who I met through Maynard because he was a guitar tech for Adam back in the day. And I had always heard about this project that him and Maynard were doing just through the grapevine. So again, it was like, Hey, we're doing, we're doing this thing, you know, and we need a guy. So, you know, when I'm, when I'm in (laughs) during the week, I'd be in the studio and then on the weekends we would get together and do a perfect circle, like rehearsals and stuff. So, so yeah, so that started happening. Um, the again, first right tour, time, right place, right? Yeah, again, you know, it's like, you never know. Um, so, yeah, the first tour we did was, um, was, and it actually wasn't with Josh Freeze at that time. Tim Alexander from Primus was playing with us. So the, the bill was, and we went in a van, because before there was a record deal or anything like that, was Enemy. Tim had this band called Laundry. And then Perfect Circle. So again, I'm playing two sets a night, you know, which was fun, you know. But uh, that that project, of course, like got signed and then like just. Did they know, do you think? Was it ever an intention to make it like a full proper band? Well, because it kicked I, off, right? It kicked off like in a way that I had no idea it would ever do. Um, and I mean, I knew that Maynard uh, was a savvy you know, uh not only singer and lyricist, but businessman. Yeah. And it showed. Yeah. I mean, and I think, I mean, I know that the intention for a perfect circle was to have it be its, its own thing. Yeah. He never wanted to treat it like a side project. You get that sense with everything he's involved in, which is why they're all so great. Yeah. He's really immersed in, there's like no such thing as does. a side project. Is yeah. there? It's like they're just all bands. Yeah, they are. They all get a hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah, that that was that was a great experience, you know. We, and you got to go out on the road with Nine Inch Nails, right? That's at the right. peak of there. And I'm like popularity. Yep, and, yep. And the Fragile just came out, and I was a huge fan of that record too. So that was really special. Yeah, amazing time. Tell me very quickly about the Judith video working with David Fincher. Was that a it was exceptional I mean, it experience? Was exceptional. It really was. And I mean, he, he had just. I know he finished Fight Club. Like seven Fight Club, boom, boom. Yeah. Um, and the game. And I was a huge fan of his, too. I still am. But uh, people might not know this about that video, but it, it cost a lot of fucking money. <laughs> and it was it was a seven-day shoot. Seven days for a music video. That's for a music video. Unheard of. That's on one set. <laughs> I just remember at one point when I was he was filming... And I don't, I don't remember his name, but the the DP on on the video like shot ET and like he was super super like old school, like DP. But I remember they were shooting me stepping on a pedal. I remember the detail that went into lighting my shoe as it was hitting the pedal. It was intense. Like there was one spot that he wanted to like get the shine like right here. So the light was over here, and then he was like, I need some foil. <laughs> so, so there's a little bouncing. foil, the baffle that's just reflecting the light. 
I think we did like seven or eight takes of that. I was just like, wow, this is heavy detail. People need to go check that out if they haven't seen it yeah, on YouTube, especially and, and now it we was, know that. It was on film. That was, this was before wow. digital. So he did all those kind of treatments where you drag the film behind the car, you know, and scratch it up. It's, it's all real, you know. So that was incredible. I mean, I, I learned a lot from, from that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You've experienced touring. You've experienced the studio side. You've experienced being in a successful band. I guess you've got all of the components one needs to be ready sure. to join a fucking juggernaut <laughs> like the Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah. <laughs> and that brings us up to... Well, that, that's... So we were listening on the Perfect Circle tour of 2000 and 2001. We were listening to Rated R. And of, of course, I love the first record already. Rated R is just in a different league. Yeah. So we were in really the- into that record on the road. And, you know, I, I, I heard the demos because... The guy who was doing sound for failure, Hutch, Hutch, he did sound for Caius and, and everywhere Josh would go, Hutch would go. So we had to share Hutch with Mark Lanigan, you know? So, but in the van on the failure tour, yeah, there was a tape that said Joshua Hami demo, you know? So, which I'd write it out. No, no, this is before the first record. Oh, wow. 96. Right, right. So like, if only was on there and like Avon and like born to hula. So all these songs I've, I've already known. So yeah, again, you know, you run into people on the road and you like, you know, you hang out and you get to know people, you know? And so we kind of got to know each other, Josh and I in that setting. I guess Caius were like another musician's band as well, right? Well, we, we wanted Hutch because of the way Caius sounded live, you know? And that, that was, yeah, it was really important. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, so in a break between, you know, the great thing about Perfect Circle also was it kind of got Tool back, like back to work in some ways where it was like, you know, 
we can't just let him be in that band, you yeah. know, we're going to have to do. So lateralis was, you know, spawned from that time. So in the middle of Maynard being on tour, you know, for, for lateralis, I got the call to go out with my favorite band at the time again. Is this so? This is after the release of Songs for the Death. No, this pre, is bef- before this is that. Before, so I had been hearing about you know this record that they've been making, and I you know I heard that Grohl was playing on it and stuff. Is that album or was that album? Sorry, at the time of its conception and realization, was it as legendary as you think? Because you look at the list of characters, you know, even just the radio voice DJs sure. and, and all the musicians involved, and it seemed to be one of those era-defining albums that just really shook up the rock community and changed things, right? And yeah, so there's, there's magic. On I can album. I can say that, that that's there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I heard the record and I knew right away. I was like, this is this is going to be the one that's going to you know. It's going to take this band into where it should be. Yeah. Um, so literally, I had a week <laughs> really? to prepare. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so I had a week to, to prepare. I'd never played lap steel, really. And I, I you know, played a little bit of piano here and there. But it was like, okay, here's 40 songs. And here's three instruments. Uh, we start touring in one week. So it was pretty gnarly. So did you go out on the road with Dave, yeah. Nick, Mark, and Josh, mm-hmm. and you? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was fun. It was really fun. Um, That's like a fucking all-time supergroup right it, there. It, I mean, I felt like the the new kid, you know? Yeah. And it was, it was like, yeah. I mean, you can't really say anything other than it was just this awesome force, you know? That was just, you're a part of and you don't believe it, you know? So it was really special. Were the studio sessions wild for that album? See, I didn't, I wasn't there for that. You weren't there for any of that, I was, I was still, you know, in between doing like some enemy stuff and, um, and recording, you know? Um, so yeah, I, um, again, I got itchy fingers and I had to, I had to get out on the road. So it was perfect timing for me. So, um, so Yeah. How are we doing on time? I don't know. <laughs> I think we've got about 10, 15 minutes. 10? All okay, right. Troy, here's the deal. If you're up for it. Sure. When you're over in November, you're up for a part two? Because there's, sure. there's, there's, there's going to be a big jump now, but I want to obviously bring it up to, to Let's today. Do Let's do that. But if you're down with that, because I'd really like to get into, you know, I lullabies think, I and think era. Every, and, if, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know what I've done since then in the band. Yeah, yeah, Hopefully. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to know about the recording of those, but if November works for you, I'd yeah. love to do a part two. Sure. 2017 yeah. then, yeah. nice 15 year, yeah. huge leap. I, um, I guess two things which maybe informed this new album, either directly or if not directly, subconsciously was, I guess on the one hand, what happened in Paris, right? That had to have affected Josh. I definitely think that that's affected I'm, I know it's affected all of us because we're all pals, you know, yeah. we're all family. And when you have a family member that's in a situation like that, it, it's the, the worst thing is that when you can't do anything about it and you can't get in touch with them to see if they're alive. I mean, that's something that we never have ever dealt with. But Josh... I don't think anyone had ever dealt with that really on that no. scale, had they, in the music community. And it's so intensely, like, the, the idea that you'd be at an Eagles concert, which is the funnest The definition of fun. It's like everyone dances, nobody cares, and everyone's having a good time. 
to have that just interrupted by carnage like that is it's the worst thing to think of it's as a and as a performer it terrifies me it's it's heavy duty so i know josh you know i talked to him right after i heard and he's like i'm 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 handling it <laughs> so he jumped right into action to make sure that everyone you know was safe that we could get you know that we can get answers you know right away and so that takes a lot of coordination when you're on opposite sides of the world so i think that's added some some anxiety to to what we do um and it's and it's made everyone feel like life's too short and it's precious has that informed the tone of the album because like clockwork was a bit more despondent and sure dark and introspective this album Very much, yeah. is a lot more of a celebration of life it seems it's a lot lighter is that a conscious effort to try and remind the world at this point in time that now more than ever we need escapist entertainment and we need I to elevate th- I our think spirits that plays and- into it but more than anything you know I, I yeah I'm sure that, that you can't really ignore the fact that we have this great life and and um, shouldn't really be focusing on on the negative sides of things, you know. Trying to be positive, move, you know, get up and do something um, before you know before you run out of time. You know, that's that's what I th- that's what I think is the core of where we're at right now. And Ronson obviously must have had a hand in shaping the sound. He definitely did, and because he's a very different kind of guy to you know, but it's, Alan Johannes's and it's, Chris Gosses. Yeah, and, I mean, for us, we're always hands on. I mean, we are all, all of us. Like I can, you know, I can engineer. Josh can engineer. Mike, everyone can do that thing. But it was a time for for us to be a band again and be in a room and play. You know, do what we best we best do, which is play live. So, I mean, we didn't just pick Mark Ronson. I mean, it, the timing was right, and we had always thought it'd be nice to work with someone like that, who's a musician, somebody who's completely different than us, and some somebody that we want to have an exchange with. You yeah. know, so the way his records sound, there's always great musicality. And they sound incredible. You can hear everything, you know. And they're like retro but contemporary, aren't they? They are. They sound like he's got great knowledge of of so much music, yeah. so he can reference anything, you know. So, yeah, sure. But um, he he was key in helping us achieve what we wanted to to achieve sonically, and you know, musically, we're pretty hands on. We pretty much know what we want once we're in, you know once we've played the music enough, but anytime that we had any kind of doubts or any kind of like, well, I don't know, he was always right there with a great suggestion. Um, he was, it was like in our band for like, you know, a few months. Cool, cool energy. Again, great it's energy. about bringing that personality yeah, into yeah. the mix. And, and, and for us, it's about doing something different, yeah. you know, and putting yourself out there and, and just saying, fuck it. And the other experience which must have informed this album is the Iggy Pop directly spiritual journey into yeah. the heart of rock and roll. I, I watched mean, the film and yeah. that gave me a unique insight into that quest. Yeah. And Josh did a Q&A afterwards and the way he spoke about working with Iggy and I'm sure he speaks for all of you is sure. you know like a dream come true, right? Sure. Yeah. That has a lot to do with our our 
like our direction as a band too because when you look at Iggy and you look at the world of music and how many of our heroes are, are going or gone him of all people should have been gone a long time ago from you know from where he was at, at a certain time but he's still here and he's 70 and he's kicking everyone's fucking ass yeah. and that to me is inspiration because it's just he bleeds every night and he sings until he can't sing anymore and he doesn't really want to leave the stage after I two saw the hours. stages one year is it James Williamson he was yeah. there with a fucking like plaster cast on his yeah. leg yeah. <laughs> yeah unstoppable unstoppable so when you when you get to play with again a lucky you know t- timing is everything you play with one of your heroes you got to get something out of it and i think that when you listen to those you know the 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 connection between the idiot lust for life and po- uh, post pop depression i think that's where we live you know that's sonically and that's creatively where we live um and so those records will always be an, an inspiration um and so Literally, it was we had post pop depression after that tour because it was. Well, not only did you get to make the record with Iggy, but obviously you, Josh, was it Dean and Matt was the full band. Um, I didn't play on the record. Oh, um, you did. So me and Matt Sweeney joined the band right, for right. live. Um, I know that um, <clears throat> you know we had to you know the, the the core of the band that made the record. It was simple, you know. There wasn't a lot to it, so. But we needed more people to play. Yeah, you know, to the bring it stuff. to life. Yeah. And the, and the old stuff, too. Because we didn't interpret it. We, we literally copied what was on the records, you know, down to the synthesi- synthesizers, you know. And Iggy had notes of what Bowie played, what kind of keyboards and stuff. So we just kind of, we had to kind of put that together, you know. We had this giant keyboard rig that me and Dean kind of shared. So... That was fun, and that's probably why you're hearing a lot of synths on our new record because we got into it, you know. And it's fun; it's really cool to take a sine wave and filter it through a bunch of stuff and like make distort it and put reverb. You know, there's all kinds of sonic cool shit you can do. That not many rock bands today are doing, are they? Uh, they're not, and I think it gets a bad rap because you know. There's always oh, that's just the keyboard player, but fuck that, man. Our, our like b- both Dean and I play keys, and that's that's fun. Yeah, because we're no, we're guitar players, you know. So you always get to change it up when you hit some key some keys. You know, it changes your mind a little bit about playing guitar, and that's what you need. You know. Did you have a moment with Iggy yourself personally? Was there any sort of exchange between the two of you which really stands out on that tour of? Just really kind of like seeping. Into I would say it role. mostly came down to being on stage. Yeah. I mean, I always had to. Like, every night, this moment happened where he needed the key for China Girl, and so I played the F sharp, so he could just come right in. But it was always this thing like, "Okay, man, I, I need you." <laughs> I'm like, "I'm here, brother." <laughs> I got your back. But yeah, I mean, for me, those were. Being on stage with him was was always the the special thing, yeah. I mean, he he came out to do the first rehearsal with us the day after Bowie died, 
so he just he showed up and it was heavy it was one of the heaviest like experiences i think i've ever had to to do playing music it's just to deal with that emotion you know and it, it 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 affected him very very deeply so but it again that inspiration of like life's too precious and you know let's just go let's do this now was really like a kick in the ass amazing yeah um troy thank you so much sure i really enjoyed talking to you man we'll and do it again i'd like i'd like that to happen yeah. um there's so many amazing projects have you got any more like is queens your full time it is right now we really want to get this this um this record out and get behind it and make sure that we play it to well, you got two nights at the o2 i know you got one sold out already so that's nuts one. that's crazy that's the biggest shows of your career to date is it it is yeah I think as so. queens as queens as, yeah uh, with anything yeah yeah it's a big room it's gonna be a good night i know it's gonna be a good <laughs> night thank you brother cool. thanks for your time yeah you got it man. really enjoyed it Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.